Welcome to episode 27 of Fearless Rebel Radio. In today's episode, I interview Sean Stevenson, the first male guest on Fearless Rebel Radio. He is a best-selling author, speaker, and host of the podcast, The Model Health Show. We talk all about issues surrounding men's bodies, and I get his perspective on women's body image issues, and it's a wonderful, refreshing, and amazing perspective. So you definitely do not want to miss this episode. Before we get started, I just want to thank you for hanging in there during the Rock Your Body launch and uh, program release. I know I did a lot of uh, promotion for it and I know your time is valuable. So I thank you for hanging in and listening to that. And I hope you did enjoy the free video training series. It will be back again next year in 2016. As always, you can head to my website, summerinandin.com or just type in summerthenutritionist.com to grab my free ebook, 10 Rules to Break Right Now to Ditch Dieting and Love Your Body, plus a whole bunch more freebies. Again, I would be so grateful if you like this podcast to leave me a review at iTunes. It only takes two seconds and I will be your BFF. Let's get started with the show. Do you know where you are? You're in Fearless Rebel Radio, baby! I am your host, Summer Inanin, a certified nutritional practitioner, diet rebel, and food lover on a mission to help you feel hot damn fearless in your body. Fearless Rebel Radio is here to empower you to defy the standards and break the rules in order to radiate confidence, relish in your uniqueness, and live life fearlessly on your own terms. Every episode, I will help you to do this by sharing practical advice not-so-PG-rated rants and interviews with fearless rebel guests. Welcome to the show. Hey everyone, I am super excited about today's guest because he is officially the first male guest on Fearless Rebel Radio. And I am really, really excited to get his perspective on wellness. And specifically, we're going to talk a lot about body image. So today's guest is Sean Stevenson. Sean Stevenson is a best selling author and creator of the Model Health Show, featured as the number one nutrition and fitness podcast on iTunes. With a university background in biology and kinesiology, Sean went on to be the founder of Advanced Integrative Health Alliance, a successful company that provides wellness services for both individuals and organizations worldwide. Sean is also a dynamic keynote speaker who has spoken for TEDx, universities, and, and numerous organizations with outstanding reviews. You can learn more about Sean at theshawnstevensonmodel.com. So I heard Sean on my friend Madeline's podcast, The Mind Body Musings Podcast, which I will link to in the show notes for this episode. Um, and he was talking about body image, uh, a bunch uh, among a lot of other things. And I just thought it was such a really refreshing perspective. And so I immediately wanted to get him on the show. And I also listened to a few episodes of the model health show, which is also a really, really awesome podcast, which I'll link to for you guys to check out. Uh, so welcome to the show, Sean. Wow. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be the first man to be on the show that's amazing i know isn't it crazy (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i'm excited um so yeah like well introduce yourself tell us a little bit more about your story and how you got to where you are today okay sure sure so uh my story for me as far as where i'm at now in this crazy field of health and wellness uh began when i was uh around 16 years old i was an athlete in high school like many other people Um, But this curious thing happened while I was doing a time trial because I was a track athlete and I was doing a sprint, a a time for a 200 meter sprint. And I broke my hip while running, which is just like crazy. That's supposed to be reserved for not just older men, but more so older women. Right. It's just like, why? Why are my bones so brittle? And I'm 16 years old. I'm supposed to be at the prime of my life in many aspects, you know, so. Nobody asked the question, why did this kid's hip, hip break from running? Instead, I went through the normal methods of treatment, which was just do some ultrasounds and physical therapy, and I got back on the track again. And it wasn't until four years later when I was 20 years old that I was diagnosed with a degenerative bone disease, in particular, 
spinal disease. My spine was deteriorating rapidly. Wow. And so I go in to see the physician and he tells me that I've got the spine of an 80-year-old, um, which is where the whole 80 number came from in the first place. And it was just like earth shattering for me because for, for me, it was just like one day I was fine. The next day I'm having trouble walking. And at that point, Summer, and I, I still to this day, I have no idea what drove me to ask him this question. And I sometimes I joke, like, did I go back in a time machine, like my future self and go into my old body and ask this question? But I asked him, does, does this have anything to do with what I'm eating? Wow. Should I change the way that I'm, that I'm exercising? He looked at me like I was straight up from another planet. He said, this has nothing to do with what you're eating. But then he wrote me a prescription to eat pills. Yeah. Right? So yeah. that's the kind of like consciousness and intelligence that I was dealing with. You know, this has nothing to do with what you're eating, but here, eat these. You know, and so I believed him because this is what we are really programmed to do. Not understanding that these are just individuals who've taken a certain track of, of study um, through university and through, you know, um, clinicals and all that kind of thing. They're just a human. And but we still have this kind of God complex that can manifest itself. And so I believed him that there was nothing that could be done. And it set me on this path for the next two and a half years of just deterioration, you know, in body and in character. You know, and it wasn't until that two and it was two and a half years later, I was 22 and a half and my life changed like in the most incredible way. And it's not like unicorns came out and like rainbows and you know, leprechaun came out and all this kind of stuff. It's not that kind of thing. No, the clouds didn't part and the sun shined into my bedroom. It wasn't like that. <laughs> but I was in my bedroom when this happened. I was by myself and I was sitting on the edge of my bed about to take my medication to basically knock me out because the pain was so bad it would wake me up at night, wow. which is crazy. And so I'm sitting on the edge of my bed with a pills bottle in my hand and I started to think about my grandmother and she even still, even though it was annoying to me at this point, she was still calling check on me. It's just like, why? She knows I'm okay, but I wasn't really okay. That's the thing about grandmother sometimes. Intuitive. But, yeah. And she's just like, why does she keep bothering me? And then it's just hit me like, this woman has been talking such amazing things about me since I was a child and how I was special and how I was going to do great things and always believing in me. And here I am giving up. And I decided then that I was no longer going to forfeit my life and basically turn my well-being over into the, to the hands and to the blueprint of what somebody else says. You know, all the well-meaning physicians that I saw, mm -hmm. they're not going to have the final say about me anymore. And I made the decision to get well. And most people never do that. Yeah. It's more like wishful thinking. And that's where I was operating from. It's just like, I wish somebody would help me. Why won't somebody help me? What's wrong with me? Instead of really... When you make a decision, I'm a big fan of lexicon, you know, of words. The word decision is from the Latin de meaning from and kaidir, which means to cut. So I made a decision to cut away any possibility except of me being well. And come what may, I'm going to do it. And so I made the decision and my life changed because over the next six weeks, I put a plan together and that two and a half years, I packed on some, some not, not too sexy weight, you know, just... It was like cheeseburger pizza weight, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was on the college diet and I just wasn't feeling my best. And so I had lost 30 pounds in six weeks, which is not typical and not normal at all. But that weight, I'm one of those quote fast metabolism guys, which what does that even mean? But anyways, <laughs> um, I'm one of those guys. So the weight just kind of flew off of me and the pain was gone. It was as if nothing had ever happened to me that I've been struggling with every day for two and a half years that I was in fear I was in fear to stand up or to sit down because of the pain. And so it was gone. And I go back to see my physician a couple months later. He takes a scan. And he's just like, what are you doing here? Like, whatever you're doing, keep doing it because I can't explain this. And my spine tissue had re regenerated itself. And also my two ruptured discs had retracted. I got the juiciness back in my spine again. And I can, of course, talk a little bit about how I did that if you want. But the bottom line is that your body, your body really requires the raw materials that it needs to rebuild you, number one. And your body also requires movement for it to heal itself. And those were the two things that I was not giving myself. And your body requires basic love. Mm 
just basic love and, and consideration for your own well-being. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things that I really tuned into. And I started to care about myself, which was just like an astronomical thought at the time because we live so outside of ourselves and outside of our body. You know, and I actually got in and I started to, to care about myself. I started to give a damn. And it changed the course of my life forever. People saw the transformation that happened, started asking me for help. I changed my course of study in, in college and thousands of patients later. And here I am, you know, so that's my story. That's incredible. And I think, um, you know, you must have faced so much adversity from, you know, like, you know, the, the medical community or your family and friends who kind of were just, you maybe resigned you to the fact that there was maybe no cure, or that you were just destined to have, you know, this this spine disease but it sounds to me like you know having that your grandmother's voice instilling that greatness in you that you knew that you 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 could fight through this uh that's just amazing but yeah i would love for you to kind of elaborate on how on how you did it because i think people are really going to be curious about that sure sure so and by the way you know like i said i've worked with thousands of of patients clients since then and my work is i can't we can't even fathom these numbers but Hundreds of thousands of people have been impacted by what I've done, you know, what I've put together. But it's not just me. It's also my grandmother. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also the amazing, strong women in my life. I tell people so many times on my own show that my greatest teacher is actually my mother-in-law. You know, this woman really changed the game for me. Um, and so, but before I met her, before I got into this situation of really taking things to the next level, the basic things that I did was, number one, you've got to create the environment in your body for it to heal itself. Okay, your body knows what to do. You know, just like if we get a cut on our finger, your body knows how to fix that. You know, we don't. We have no idea what's going on there, but we think that okay, if we get a cut, we're like, oh, we just we let it go. We put a bandaid on, and this is like, oh, my body's going to take care of it. We don't even think about it again. But then we have the ignorance to think that our body can't do that for uh, cleaning up our arteries, mm-hmm. or regenerating our liver tissue, or uh, helping uh, to heal some of the um, damage that might have happened from, you know, brain damage. And I've got individuals in my life who were told that they, you know, they wouldn't have any long-term memory anymore and they were able to regenerate that brain tissue, you know, uh, create new synaptic connections. So we have to understand that your body knows what to do and kind of get out of the way, create the conditions for it to do its job. So number one, oh, that's number one. So number two is what I said earlier. You've got to provide the raw materials for your body to heal itself. So when we're looking at whether it's your knees, whether it's your spine, whether it's your, uh, whether it's your, your, your cardiovascular system, what is it made of? Ask that question, what is it made of? So I start to ask, what is my spine made of? What are my bones made of? Commonly, and then there's conventional, then there's the truth. Conventional is calcium, right? I should yeah. drink more milk. Funny <laughs> thing was, I was guzzling milk like crazy and I only got sicker, you know? So here's what it is. Uh, two things, um, s- silica or silicon and, um, well, not two things. There's two major things. Magnesium is incredibly, incredibly important. Sulfur bearing amino acids and vitamin C mm. is also critical for like regenerating your tissues. Who knows that? Like when we talk about vitamin C, we're thinking about our immune system. So vitamin C is critical for regenerating tissues. So I started to look at these things and understanding the bigger picture and like, how do I get these things that's in my body the best way? I don't want the 25th best way. I want the best thing for that nutrition. And I found that, no, it's not going to be a supplement, right? Because supplements are 99% of the time they're synthetic and our bodies have not evolved consuming those things. So it's like a foreign item you're throwing in there. And so I'm finding what foods have these, these, these um, nutrients in the, in the capacity that I really need. And so that led me to like experiment with weird foods at the time. They're so weird. I was weird. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else. So I'm shopping at Whole Foods. I'm in the Midwest. So I'm like, this was like 15 years ago. So the store just opened. It was like me shopping there and like two other people, like some <laughs> random old guy. And then like a professional athlete would be in the store. Now it's packed all the time. Um, but so I was like eating aloe vera, for example. You know, which is very storied for its healing properties. It's loaded with polysaccharides, which helps to the communication with your cells. Um, it's also a rich source of these sulfur-bearing amino acids. But let's get out of the geeky, sciencey stuff. But I hope everybody's out there liking to geek out with me. But let's talk <laughs> about something more, like the the more basic 
kind of feminine approach to things like tuning into mother nature, which is there's something called the doctrine of signatures. And have you heard of this before summer? No. Okay. This is awesome. So, and people can just go to Dr. Google and type in doctrine of signatures. And what that means is the sign of nature. And this is a course of study or a, or a, um, a, a medical system or a way of classifying and understanding health and nature that says that everything in nature will tell you what it's good for based on the way it looks, smells, tastes, or how it functions in nature. Oh, okay. Nice. So this is where, and like people have probably seen some of these pictures out there that uh, you see the walnut, it looks like a brain, right? Mm-hmm. Then, our, but our ancestors got that already. But our science today has proven what they knew, which is this is rich in omega three acids, which is great for your brain. Also, uh, these really interesting plant sterols that help to break apart um, plaque in your brain. Okay, mm-hmm. that's found in that walnut. Then we've got, uh, let's see, what I can say like a hundred of, the, of these. Um, avocados okay you like avocados i love avocados love them whoever if you just go ahead and have some you know people fall in love with it so avocados actually grow on trees in pairs okay one of the indigenous names is like avocado which means testicle fruit Mm -hmm. it's great for your reproductive system for both men and women because when you cut it in half it kind of looks like a womb right yeah you're right so we've got that, the berries, they're great for your vision. Blueberries look like little eyeballs, you know, and on and on. But what's interesting about aloe vera, when you fillet out that gel, it looks like the, the kind of uh, bouncy, juicy stuff that should be between the vertebrae and your spine. It looks kind of like your disc. It looks like the meniscus that should be in your knees. It's kind of an indication that that food can potentially help to regenerate those tissues if you consume it. Yeah. Which Aloe vera is not a delicious food. I'm just going to put that out there. But, you know, it's just finding creative and fun ways to get that into your body. And so I was blending it with chocolate, you know, and and drinking it like that. So that's one of the real powerful things. That was step two. Step three is movement. And there was an interesting study that I came apart, I I came across and it was showing that. And I don't I don't know if you've heard this before, but it's kind of messed up is when a horse uh, breaks a bone, it's like that's grounds for it to be put down. Right. And so what they were doing was trying to, in the study, uh, increase the bone density of the horses. And so what they found in the study was that when they gave the horses, they had two, two groups. They gave one group of the horses the calcium supplements. They gave the other group calcium supplements plus walk them. And what they found was that the group that was not walked, their bone density did not increase. So it, was in, it was negligible. Mm-hmm. But the group that was walked radically increased their bone density. Okay. So the same thing, you can be eating the best diet in the world, but if you're not moving, your body is kind of like that. If you don't use it, you lose it. Right. Principle, you know, so it helps to assimilate and drive all that good stuff into, into your body, into the places that it needs to go. So those are the three categories, really. And then there was a fourth pillar that came in that happened naturally, automatically on its own, which is sleep. And that is so funny because prior to me having that revelation moment, I was one, I was a college student. I'm up you know, two, three in the morning playing video games and, you know, sleeping until 11 or 10 o'clock. But as soon as I start to focus on loving myself and taking care of me, I naturally start to go to bed early and wake up early because I felt so good. I just wanted to do stuff. Yeah. You know, and that's where your body really heals. Sleep is known as the anabolic state. That's where your body actually changes. And this is what, what a lot of people leave out because in our busy world today, if we got 10 things to do and sleep is one, we omit the sleep, not understanding that that it's called beauty sleep for a reason. That's yeah. for sure. So there you yeah, go. you don't you don't want to be around me if I have not enough sleep. It's not pretty. <laughs> 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 and that's not exterior beauty I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I understand. I often tell people you're tired. Your best friend can look like your worst enemy. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I really like your perspective on all things because you really bring a sense of uh, like of mindfulness to it. You know, like this level of of awareness and individual individuality. And I think I've heard you talking about food before, and you talk about it like in the in the sense of upgrading it, and you know, thinking really thinking about how it's being used in your body as building blocks instead of thinking of it as like this food is bad, this food is good, like yes or no, I can't have this. You know, actually like tuning into how it's being assimilated and used in your individual circumstance in your body, which I, I just I really appreciate that. 
Oh, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate the acknowledgement. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about let's talk about some body image stuff. Um, you know, as we were talking a bit offline before we started, you know, I've had a lot of female guests on the show who have talked about this with me, and I'm really eager to get a man's perspective on both women's and men's body image issues because uh, men's body image issues are an issue as well. And I think that, you know, it's often it's it's not talked about. I think there's probably a lot more kind of shame around it because it's something that, um, you know, you don't want to be identified with as, you know, as a quote unquote man. Um, so first I have to ask you, you know, have you ever struggled with any sort of body image issues yourself? Mm, wow. You know, I really think that it's difficult to be human without doing that, without going through that. For sure. And, you know, for guys, it's mo more than likely, you know, we, we have this idea, especially we're just kind of birthed into it, that we are the strong ones. We're the superhero. We're the ones that need to take care of everything. And if we don't, then we're not a man. You know, and we're just kind of programmed with this and no sense of balance within that. Because, again, it's we all have feminine and masculine qualities. We all have feminine and masculine, masculine hormones. And by the way, while I'm saying this, let me share something with with all the ladies out there. This is so powerful. Not any guys tuning in too. This like blew my mind. We all have a female template. All of us. Mm -hmm. we're, we're really, when we're developing in the womb, early stages, we're female. Until for, for guys, you know, of course there's the X and Y chromosome. Uh, so if you, have, if you have that roll of the dice and you've got the XY chromosome, then you're gonna, your journey's gonna change and you're gonna get a big shot of testosterone. And so what happens is our ovaries, so I'm saying our ovaries, guys' ovaries, they drop down into the rectum. I'm, I'm sorry, into the scrotum, <laughs> not into the rectum. That's not where they're supposed to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the, our, our ovaries drop down into the scrotum, we cre we, our, which, which would be our labia, drops down and becomes the, the sac that holds our ovaries. Mm -hmm. Okay. Weird, right? And if, if you've ever seen, you know, a ball sack, basically, there's this dark line going down the middle or there's a line going down the, the middle of the, of the sack. And that's where it, it all sealed off. Okay. And so then the clitoris expands and becomes the penis. Mm -hmm. What? Crazy. And all I can think about is avocados now that you, said, you made that <laughs> reference earlier. So it's just like we all have this. And guys, we think that we're so masculine and we're so, but you're you're a woman, are you? And also, we come from a woman. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more powerful than that, but we just get disconnected from that, and that's a huge mistake. And that's kind of led, in my personal opinion, to a lot of the issues that we have as a world society today, because it's so masculine dominant, you know. And there's no sense of balance. There's no compassion, not no compassion, but not enough. Yeah. And so, anyways, let me get back off of that little physiology because a lot of people don't know that you yeah, know no, I was not taught that in school as a matter of fact you know so going to school and studying health studying physiology anatomy certain things just don't get said and it's because a lot of people you know even the, the professors they they don't know you know so anyways um so what, I, what was the initial question again I got off it was uh well it's actually it's just it's interesting because it brings a whole new perspective to like the expression grow some balls because it's like we've all got them now <laughs> it's just how it's manifesting um <laughs> the question was have you struggled with body image issues yeah, yeah, yeah you personally yeah I remembered as soon as I as soon as I said that yeah so uh for me just my experience in in being a, a man in this world you know like I said having that template that I, I need to dominate, I need to be aggressive, I need to make things happen, I need to put food on the table, those kind of, of paradigms, we, we identify with the, the people who we see as the strong ones. And so we start to compare and we start to look towards like we want to be the big strong guy, mm -hmm. right? We want to be the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? We want to be the, um, the rock, we want to be a superhero. You know, basically, it's why these superhero movies are dominating right now. You know, like we want to be Captain America. We want to be Wolverine. We want to be that big, strong guy. So what what males tend to do, and this is not this is not everybody. There's different variations of this. And we can't blanket and put anybody into a box. I don't like cookie cutter stuff. No. But a general thing is we compare ourselves and we strive. Dudes want to get bigger and stronger. 
And a lot of women just don't get that. There's like, you're fine, you look good, but we want to get bigger. I, I know I'm good, but I want to be bigger. I want to get stronger. I want to be bigger. And what it is, um, really, you know, it's it's the bottom line is that it's comparison. You know, it's just based on comparison because we have this exterior model of what's possible. We want to be that, you know, and there's positive things within there. And there's also uh, obviously negative things within there. So for me, um, just definitely there's been comparison there, but I don't I don't live there anymore. I just don't. You know, and for I guess it's because you know how I got out of that is that I did a lot. I, I I went to that place of being like super low body fat, you know, four percent body fat, and I did the thing of being twenty percent body fat. I've been all of the over the spectrum, and I learned to love myself and I learned to appreciate feeling good. So screw being four percent body fat. That's crazy. I didn't feel good, mm-hmm. you know? and so I found this. You heard this before, this word, this happy medium. Happy is the key word, you know? And so I'm happy where I am. And I see there's, of course, if you got Instagram, like I just got on Instagram, like um, Katie from the Wellness Wonderland, she basically like pushed me to get on Instagram. And I see all, there's tons of pictures of guys and obviously girls, there's a lot of butt pictures, um, (laughs) which is just crazy that Instagram is a lot of butts. But um, the guys, same thing, shirts off all over the place. It's just like, okay. It like it just doesn't it doesn't resonate with me. It's just like for, and sometimes I often feel a little bit bad. You know, I actually feel a little bit bad for the guys because I know they're probably going through something I went through. Mm-hmm. You know, and so yeah, so I definitely went through that phase, but it's just is a learning experience. And what I want with my work is for people to not have to go through what I went through. And that's what any great teacher wants. They want the student to be better than them. Yeah. You know, so like learn from my lessons, learn from my experience, my mistakes, you know, so you can get a 10 year jump in this happiness thing, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's it's interesting that you're, you know, making that correlation between the, you know, being big and strong and, and that being kind of like more masculine, more dominant. And I think that 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 has evolved quite a bit over the last few decades. I mean, when you look at the media in terms of male representation you know if you look at who was considered you know attractive and masculine like you're talking about like scott Bayo in the 80s and i'm probably dating myself a bit here but you know he was like the heartthrob then you compare that to kind of what you see nowadays the men have become much more like ripped and masculine and so do you think that then like the pressure there's more pressure on men nowadays to evolve their bodies in that way Absolutely. I mean, it's no question about it. There's no question about it. And there's another there's another aspect to this that I cannot negate in talking about this in this conversation is the fact that we've evolved really. It, you know, we're, we're these are some of the primitive activities going on with our with our minds, with our it's like evolutionary biology. Um, we're not that far removed from other animals, you know, and the way that we're functioning. We think we're so evolved. But there's a lot of subconscious stuff going on, you know, so every opportunity I get, I also share that we basically have three different brains that have evolved on top of one another. So we've got the amygdala, right? So this is like the more reptilian brain. It's only concerned, concerned about its own survival, right? Then on top of that evolved the limbic brain, which is concerned about the four F's, fighting, fleeing, feeding, and fornication. Okay, so the four Mm -hmm. F's, all right? I was not going to say fornication, though. I every time I say that word, I think about Mike Tyson, which is so weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> he said it in an interview, it creeped me out. Okay. The word will never be the same again. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the limbic brain is a lot of mammals have a developed limbic brain. They, they're, this is the emotional brain. You know, like your dog has a great limbic brain development, you know. But what makes humans human is we have a very evolved frontal cortex. Okay. And so... We've got these three brains, but any any one of these brains can take over. And what is called is an amygdala hijack can happen. This is when you basically you lose it. You know, you flip out. You don't care about anything. You don't care about who's watching. You know, we've all had these moments, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's just being more aware and conscientious so that the um, inner reptile doesn't take over um, sometimes. So anyways, so understanding this, that we've really evolved to be a certain way. We've got this similar template to a lot of animals. For men, it's sort of like the animal kingdom. 
you know, who's the biggest and baddest. And what's going on is that parts of our more um, primitive brain are always sizing people up. We do this automatically. We cannot help this. Okay. So as women and men, but women, they're a little bit more vocal about it when they size up another woman. You know, if they're one of their girlfriends is around, they'll, they'll say something, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I know you know what I'm talking about. So what happens is we're, we're at a primitive level, we're deciding, like, am I going to eat them or are they going to eat me? You know, am I the top of the food chain or are they? And this is going on and we've got to catch ourselves because that gets us into comparison again. So it's just like in the animal kingdom, who's the biggest and baddest male figure? Who's the alpha, right? Who's the alpha? And so... That, that idea about it, too, propels the evolutionary change. So when we start to think that, you know, because at first it was Scott Baio, you know what I'm saying? It was just a, <laughs> this regular guy, right? He's, a little, he's got some swag, but he's a regular guy. Yeah. To being like, you know, Jason Statham, you know, or whatever, or, you know, whoever the, the top action star is. And it's just like, oh, so they're the alpha guy. I've got to compete with him. You know, I've got, I want to be the alpha guy. And so there's this evolutionary drive for us to do those kind of things, too, that we need to acknowledge in order for us to free ourselves from it. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And it actually is is really interesting because that explains, you know, that that comparison game and, you know, which is is really one of the behaviors that perpetuates body shame in women is the comparison game. And so it's really interesting to hear that that is really, we're biologically wired to be that way, um, you know, and and that men are similar in that respect. So, uh, you know, when we talk about, you know, this pressure on men, do you think that like disordered eating habits and behaviors are considered more normal in men? So for example, you know, you see a lot of men using like tons of supplements, tons of enhancements, like counting every oat that's on their plate. And when women do that, it's kind of, it's a red flag. Mm. Um, but I feel like that's considered, like it's more socially acceptable with yes. with men. Would you like, do, would you agree with that? And you think, do you think the same kind of emotional and psychological issues are going along with that? Um. Yes and no. Yes, I do agree that this, there's the same template there, but it's you just said it's more socially acceptable. Right. Because again, the guy should be paying more attention to that so they could be more alpha, right? But the results, you know, they tend to be a little bit different um, because generally, you know, and I've, I've had the opportunity to work with a couple thousand people uh, in a one-on-one context, and the vast majority of them have been women. And seeing those patterns, and for guys, we are a little bit more loose on our expectations of ourselves, you know, um, overall. Even though, again, psychologically, we're still wanting to be the alpha, whatever, a guy can really drop down into a beta role pretty easily, okay, as compared to a woman. Mm-hmm. So this is why a lot of guys, like, again, it's also socially acceptable for a guy to be bigger than a girl, than a woman. Yeah. Um, and we see that a lot. And it's just like you, you see those couples many times. It's just like, how did he pull her? Yeah. Well, he, at one point, he must have been some, you know, this or that or whatever. And guys can kind of drop down into that role a little bit easier. And, and to get off of all the counting and the supplements and all that stuff, just as easily, easily as they can pick it up. They're, the man's brain is a little bit more flexible with, in, that, in that aspect. And by the way, I don't want to leave this point about this evolutionary perspective without talking about how we see women. Can, can I talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. No, please. That was one of the questions I was going to ask you. So go right into it. Sure. So um, our, our, our whole physiology, until we, until we consciously trumpet with ideas we've taken in from our environment, you know, that we should like the Victoria's Secret model, who is rail thin, and we start to take on the belief that that's what we want we can start to shift our paradigm. But before any of that, our physiology, our biology is driving us to seek out women. And this is, this is a primal part of our brain subconsciously, seek out women who are fit enough to take a child to full term, okay? Mm-hmm. And we are wired up to look for this. And this is not the skinny girl at all, not even close. So we're naturally attracted to women who are thicker, women who have uh, extra body fat, because we know that a child is going to be safe within that human unit. 
And again, I don't want to break us apart, make us sound like we're on a menu or something, but this is what's going on subconsciously for guys, you know? And the reality is if you look at many cultures around the world, you know, that are more in, that are closer to their indigenous roots, the women are, are thicker and it's celebrated. Like they want them to be thicker so they can bear more children, you know? And of course, in our world today, this is not like, we're not playing the bearing children game and, you know, women have this role and men have this role. But you, I, I really want women to t take away from this that what you believe a man wants is usually not what the reality is of what he wants. You know, we actually are drawn to women who have more body fat, you know, who have more on their frame, you know, and it's just oftentimes women get into this shift in this approach of trying to change their body based on comparison to other women, you know, and not what the man actually is desiring. Or, you know, of course, if you're in a different type of relationship with uh, somebody who's not a man, then that's a whole nother story. But uh, the bottom line is this, is that we need to create a balance to where we start to to, to find that place of of truth, you know, because we can get very, very, and this is very difficult for me to talk about, actually. I'm trying to hold back, uh, man, because okay. I've seen this Just so many times. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, I've seen this so so often that, you know, if women just start to value their uniqueness is what it really boils down to. There's nothing more attractive and sexy and desirable for a man than a woman who who owns her femininity. You mm -hmm. know, be it if she's 50 pounds overweight or, you know, this so-called perfect body image. That is like irrelevant, you know. Um, but our most primitive desire, again, is going to be to look towards a woman who has more to offer as far as their physical presence, you know, and that means having more of her, more, more on her frame. And that's for the purpose, again, and I said to took a, take a child to full term. I just did a show yesterday talking about um, some of the negatives of having your body fat too low. Yeah. And oftentimes women will lose their period after their body fat drops below about 17%. Or they'll have their menstrual cycle just go all bananas, mm -hmm. right? And so that's an indication that you are less fit to have a child. And that's an indication that you are closer to dying, okay? So with that said, you know, a lot of women, there's, there's an essential fat amount, body fat amount for women. It's 8% is the essential fat amount. If you drop below that, you're going to start to deteriorate very quickly. Um, but for robust health, what research has indicated is that it's going to be between 19 and 32%. Yeah, it's a pretty big range. And I think, right. you know, like we talk about losing a period below 17%. I think it's actually more just where you're kind of meant to be and then the drop. Because right. for me personally, like when I, because I experienced this, I think I was still 22% body fat when I lost my period. And so, and because I was, that's why I thought there was nothing wrong. And so I just have to like kind of clear that up for women who are like, well, I still want to get to 17%. And it's like, no, you got to get to where like your body wants you to be. And there's so many factors that come into play there. Yes. You, you said something so perfect and so valuable. I always try to come back to is that it's individual. Yeah. Still, you are not like any other person on the planet. We can't keep following what this, even the study says or the science or the expert says. You've got to pay attention to your body. And I hope that even through this show that we can just help to direct women back to listening to their inner guidance system, which is more valuable and potent and powerful than any of this stuff exterior to you. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, coming back to just talking about, you know, the the importance of a woman's appearance versus uh, you know, what she has inside um, when it comes to kind of like attraction and chemistry. I think a lot of women, you know, their desire to be thin is really just a desire to be loved. And that comes from this representation in the media of what an ideal is and anything outside of that is then is 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 not present and therefore considered invisible. And so you then perceive yourself as being, you know, not important or like quote unquote invisible and therefore unlovable and i think that then that transpires in a woman's desire to want to lose weight in order to attract a man um you know when i work with women on body image one of the biggest 
factors in terms of them accepting their body is this fear that no one's going to love them, like that they're not going to be able to get a partner um, uh, or, you know, like to attract a male. And I just, uh, I think that, you know, what you said in terms of owning your feminine owning your femininity and that being like a more important thing is just, it really needs to be repeated. <laughs> mm, mm, yes. Well, I'll say it again. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I hope that you feel compelled and that I can drive you to really own your femininity because there's nothing more attractive than a woman who is just really owning that, that divine feminine, you know, like there's an energetic that's just contagious about that. And that doesn't mean that you want to necessarily have sex with them or that, you know, guys are just going to be dropping down everywhere you go and just trying to hit on you. It just means that we appreciate you. We acknowledge you. We acknowledge that your energy is valuable. And that's what we all really want. We want to feel that we, we matter. We want to feel significant. We want to feel that, you know, that, that we have something to offer. And we all do, but we get disconnected from that feeling, that understanding. You know, so it's really, we live in a really interesting time where we've got the opportunity because we are a more evolved being to where we can make a decision to step out of that primitive thinking because the primitive thinking is driving us to compete with each other, mm -hmm. right? Survival of the fittest. So all women are competing with each other to get the man. They're all competing with each other to be thinner, to be more so-called attractive via being thinner so that we can attract that, that high quality mate, right? And survival of the fittest and this competition, look what it's done to our society, you know? We, it's really about, the reality is, and all the best entities, corporations, successful relationships know that it's, it's not survival of the fittest, it's all about not competition, but cooperation. Yeah. You know, that's what it's really about. And so working together is where you really see the amazing fruits, but it's difficult. It's so difficult to get out of our own little world where we think we're on an island, we're competing with everybody else, not understand that we're all cells of this like worldly body, you know, like we have to work together or we're not going to make it, yeah. you know? So it's like shifting something in your brain to cooperation with other women. It sounds crazy, but when women get together with a common goal, I mean, nothing can stop them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like scary good. And I'm hoping for more and more of this stuff to happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing it. And maybe that's because I've completely, you know, changed, you know, the who I follow and who I associate myself with. And there really is a huge revolution going on. And if and, you know, you can definitely find it if you're if if you're looking for it. And I hope that it's becoming I feel like it's becoming more and more mainstream in terms of just, you know, like body acceptance, owning individuality. Um, and you know, I, I see, I think it's becoming a lot more rampant, but that could just be because that's the community that I'm so heavily associated with. But, uh, you know, I do feel like that, that revolution is coming and I do see the power that when women can celebrate each other and really honor each other and, and, you know, everything that we have, that the true change can really happen. Like, you know, it's, it's revolution. It really is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think that you just said something powerful, which is. You don't know if it's happening or it's just because that's what you're focused on. Yeah. There are a lot of there are a lot of people probably listening like I want to be more like that. I don't want to compete with other women. I don't want to be in my mind always judging other women and sizing them up and comparing myself to them what they have and I don't or what I have and they don't. I don't want to be that person. So how do you do it? You do just what Summer said. You know, it's because she's focused on something, she starts to see it. And I'm a science guy. You know, we've talked about some a couple little meta metaphysical things here, but there's a part of your brain, it's the reticular activating system. And so once, Summer, once you took your focus and you put it on to having more cooperation and support within women and support within that structure, then that's what you, that's all you start to see. You start to see more things affirming that. Yeah. Because the reticular activating system, it's like, uh, it's tunnel vision. And everybody's had this experience. I just today, uh, I had to get a loaner car because my car's in the shop. So when I'm in this car, I start to see this car everywhere. Yeah, right? exactly. And it's just like, I would have never paid attention to this vehicle that I'm in. But now that I, I'm in this vehicle, and I know what it looks like. My brain is now scanning and, it, and it's looking for other things to affirm what, what I have now. All right. It's doing this all the time. And women, you, you might want a certain purse or you just get a new bag and you start to see that bag everywhere. You know, or you get a new car and you start to see your car everywhere. Was it 
just magically put there. No, they were there before. You just didn't have your focus put onto this. And you can actually take your attention and put it onto information like this. And it will start to change your focus. It will start to, it will become you at some point. And that's why I really think that immersion is the most valuable tool for transformation. You know, like if you want to get out of that life where you're abusing yourself and where you're um, not speaking to yourself in a kind manner, and you want to be more loving and to have a positive, healthy self image and self value, then the most powerful thing that you can do is to immerse yourself in information like this. You know, put this on repeat, you know, play the podcast over and over again. Watch affirmative uh, videos on YouTube instead of watching Kim Kardashian or whatever, you know, I don't yeah, exactly. watching. It sounds like you need to clear out your Instagram feed a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and and also, of course, like the Instagram. And I got that that from Madeline, you know, it's so powerful. She's like, take all the people that make you feel bad about yourself off of your feed. You yeah, know? totally. And you have the right to do that. And also the books that you're reading, you know, um, Fifty Shades of Grey is awesome. I don't know personally, but apparently it is. But if you want to live this life of fulfillment and joy and self-love, then the books that you read, have those to be affirmative for that as well. Immerse yourself in this for a time period and it will literally change, uh, it will change you at a, at a cellular level. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because, you know, we were talking about um, how men are kind of like biologically wired to, you know, be attracted to a woman who's like more fertile. And, you know, I wonder how much of this then gets kind of warped by the media, but then therefore, you know, is moldable. So, you know, like, for example, boys who are growing up right now, are they only going to want to be, you know, see a big butt, like, or be attracted to a big butt right. because that's what's being sexualized at the moment. And then, and if that's the case, you know, if we, you know, if people are parents, they have children, then really making an effort to expose their children to all types of bodies in a non-judgmental way, then we could really change the way that we perceive each other. Mm, mm, yes. It's, uh, this, this is the, this is the question of the day you know, for sure. And I kind of referenced it a, a little bit is that we can trump our natural desires. You know, we can force ourselves to kind of force feed ourselves into, into believing that something else is ideal, you know, and that's what's happening right now. Yeah. It's like the big booty revolution. Mm -hmm. right? And that, that's just all, that's fine. You know, that's, there's, there's some great things about it. And there's some not so great things. But again, it's just it's just a program. It's something we've accepted that that's the ideal thing. And but what we need to do again is if we tune back into our intuition and we acknowledge ourselves, what's valuable about us and what we really want, you know, oftentimes it's not this like perfect J-Lo booty, you know, mm -hmm. it's just it's something it's something that resonates with us as an individual, but it's difficult to do that when we're constantly getting, and it's just like I talked about before about immersion, we're getting immersed in this other stuff. So it will change you, it will change your brain, you know? So you'll start to look for that and things to affirm that until it becomes what you desire most. So what it's, for me, again, what it's really about is just kind of cutting the cord on that whole system and tuning back into yourself so it can kind of clear out all the cobwebs, all those this, all the static on the line between yourself and source, yourself and and what's most important about you and what you value in other people. So you can get back to that and live a life, a more, a more fulfilled life. Um, until you can really do that, we're gonna be susceptible to all the stuff that's going on in the media for sure. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And so, as we kind of start to near the end here, do you have any do you have any practical tips for you know for for that have worked with you in terms of helping women to you know embrace their bodies, improve oh, their yes. self image? Oh yes. What Definitely. are some of your faves? Okay, um, my my favorite approach, and it's something that's very practical, and it's just like a a daily exercise you can put into play. I call it. It's called the three A's. Okay, the three A's. Okay. So one is awareness, the other is acknowledgement, and the other one is appreciation. Okay. So awareness, and I'm just gonna just make it as simple as possible. Um, awareness is really the conscious, it's the conscious knowing that you are doing something beneficial for yourself. It's a conscious understanding that you are doing something beneficial for yourself. 
So a lot of times when we set out to improve our health, to improve our well-being, we're just doing stuff. We're doing like the next diet. We're doing what Jillian Michaels is saying we need to do. Yeah. But we don't really know consciously. We don't really deeply understand that what I'm doing is something that is great for me, you know? And you have to have that. You have to have that awareness that what you're doing is really good for you. My, body, mind, and spirit, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is deeper than just you get a new diet or you get this new exercise plan. It won't work. You're not going to achieve your goals. Or if you do, it won't be sustainable until you have that deep conscious awareness that what you're doing is good for you. Oh, I love that. So that's that's A, number one. The second A is acknowledgement. This is where the real work happens. This is where you go from, uh, I was going to say woman to superwoman, which we're, you're all superwomen, but it's just like <laughs> you knowing this and owning it, you know? So acknowledgement. And this is where you pay attention to the environmental and physiological responses. This is where you recognize that things are changing. Okay, so for a lot of women, there's this really interesting character issue. We'll call it a character issue of not being able to receive compliments. Yes. And there was a really interesting um, skit on Inside Amy Schumer. Yeah. Oh, I love. I've. Yeah, I love that skit so much. (laughs) There was. There was. There was like. There was a woman standing out there, and she bumps into a friend. And the the girl's like, oh, my God, you look amazing. I love your hat. And then the girl's like, oh, my God, my hat. I look like a farmer. You know, and she starts to degrade herself and push that compliment away. And they just like brush it off. Another friend comes over and she's like wearing a beautiful dress and she's a beautiful person. Like, oh, my God, you look amazing. How you been? And they're like, we love your dress. She's like, this dress makes me look like a cow. Yeah, It's kind of all basking in just like yeah they brush it off they push the compliment away eventually a girl comes along a friend of theirs and they're like girl you look awesome have you been working out you look so amazing what are you doing differently you look so good and she's like thank you and then all their heads exploded i think they they kill her don't they (laughs) i I think they all died and she walked (laughs) they all they, they just dropped dead because they couldn't handle this woman just taking the compliment because it's not how a lot of women play the game. So acknowledgement number one is being able to receive that feedback because it's affirming. It's basically helping to deeper ingrain the behavior change that you're taking on. You won't be able to maintain that positive thing from body, mind, and spirit unless you get environmental feedback that it's working. That's what that compliment is. Mm -hmm. So receive that. Take on a practice of saying it's true. It's true. Thank you. I receive that. I receive it. And really take a second to take it in. Don't just brush it off. You know, I've, of course, just in my practice. And, and the thing about me is I'll, I'll tell a woman that she's beautiful or that, you know, her hair is gorgeous and I'm not making it up. I tell something that I genu- generally, I'm sorry, genuinely feel. And people, you can also do this practice. It's very um, helpful for yourself too. If you take on the practice of always trying to find something beautiful about another human being, mm-hmm. you know, and tell them about it. And so I've seen it more than half the time that the woman will be like, oh, this old thing or what? No, you're crazy. You know, just little little brush offs. You know, it's not like a big thing like, no, you're wrong. You're totally wrong. They just don't want to receive the fact that they're beautiful. So get out of that. This is time to step into your greatness, step into your ability to consciously acknowledge when you get that environmental feedback that you're doing something great, that you are beautiful, that you're amazing, that you're strong, that you're gifted, that you're valuable, say yes. Yes, it's true. It's true. I receive that. Thank you. Okay? And that's the other thing. So that leads to the last A, which is appreciate appreciation. You've probably heard this before. What you appreciate, appreciates. Mm-hmm. Appreciation for me is really just, it's simply receiving the good that comes your way. Okay? It's receiving the good that comes your way. So it's, it's being thankful. So when things start to change, and by the way, let me, let me take a really quick step back. I said environmental feedback, but also physiological feedback. So a lot of, a lot of women I've seen over the years, when they start to get some results from a, a health practice they're taking on or you know, a new nutrition protocol where they're caring more about themselves, they're eating great food, not counting calories anymore, but their body's changing and, in positive ways. 
but they're not acknowledging the change, you know, because it's like, well, I lost five pounds only. I should have lost seven pounds, you know? They're not taking that physiological change on and really owning it and being grateful for it. You know, every little bit, every bit that you affirm, you, you're encouraging more of it. Instead of basically being like, no, it's not true, it's not good enough, because in, way, in many ways, you know, the universe is gonna give you what you're asking for. Yeah, totally. So if you're saying it's not enough, it's not enough, and the universe is like, it's not enough, here you go, more of that, you know? So appreciation is receiving the good that comes your way. Be grateful for every little small thing that you can be consciously aware of. It's gonna create a more beautiful life for you, like instantly, you know? Gratitude is a powerful way to immediately get you out of depression, to get you out of um, isolation and not enoughness. You know, it's a very powerful tool and we all have access to that. You know, just to be grateful for the breath that we have right now, the oxygen, you know, just being grateful for um, being able to listen to this, you know, to be able to have access to, to an amazing podcast, you know, and to have the audio device to be able to listen to it. That's amazing. There are thousands, I'm sorry, millions, I'm sorry, billions of people that don't have that. Yeah, it's so true. You know, it's amazing all the things that we can be grateful for, or we can be stuck in what I don't have. Mm -hmm. So those are my three A's, awareness, acknowledgement, and appreciation. Yeah, and I think you can just make that a daily practice to, you know, bring awareness to all three of those things and, and either like journal something as it relates to it, or just, you know, put it on a little piece of note paper or just make it like a thing that you do every day. Yeah. Yeah. Totally yeah. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Well, as, you know, the question I ask all of my guests at the end of the show is what is the most fearless thing that you have done? Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. This is awesome. Wow. Um, the first, the thing that jumped to mind when you said that was, wow, this really ties into today. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> like there, there's been several times when I've had trouble talking because I'm kind of getting a little choked up today. This is crazy. Um, crazy good. So for me, what, what came to mind was um, it's about seven years ago or six or seven years ago, uh, I was seeing clients back to back to back to back and really just grinding and and working with a lot of people so my, my modus operandi was to be of service to help but it, i was not filling my own cup you know i was starting to get depleted you know and then i had this really strong desire to write this book and it compelled me like it took so much of my energy and focus and over time just the course of a few weeks i basically just sort of fired my clients you know, and I just wanted to finish this project and I took a huge risk. I, the most fearless thing that I did was talking to my wife about me not being the breadwinner, about me not being the one who can put everything on my back and carry us, but for her to be that for me in that moment. Wow. And so I took a huge risk all those years ago for me to write this book and for her to pay the mortgage. And she took a huge risk on, in, in betting on me. But what it is and what, what men really want is just to know that you believe in us. You know? And so she believed in me. And as a result, you know, as a result, we took that risk. And it did not work out at first. <laughs> so my second book, not, that it, not even that book, it didn't really work out that well, but it, it was a huge stepping stone. My second book has been number one on the bestsellers list for over six months, you is, know. Is so, that the Sleep Smarter book? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so tell us about that. Okay, sure, I, I, I'll definitely, uh, yeah. So it's just that process in and of itself of me taking that that huge risk and I had to own it, you know, I had to step into it and just like, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, I had to like face a lot of the mental man garbage that we carry around. And it created a wonderful, more powerful bond between us. And uh, just like, I love that woman, you know, so much. We're so, it just, it's so powerful, you know, when we, when we take that risk 
um, or, or something similar to what I did. So, yeah, yes. no, that's a, that's really, it's a very vulnerable thing. And, yes. uh, that's, you know, that's, that's amazing. I was scared. Yeah. I was scared. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's like, the, you know, it's not my general nature to be scared, you know, but I was definitely scared. I was scared of, will she get tired of me? What it, you know, when is, will she give up on me? And that's what love is. You know, love is taking that risk. If you're going to if you're going to be in a relationship, you've got to be willing to get hurt. You've got to be willing to put yourself out there. And what we tend to do is if we get hurt, we get more withdrawn and we start to give up. Um, but I, at the majority of the time, um, if we're listening again, listening to our intuition, it's going to pay off taking mm -hmm. those risks and choosing to love no matter what. It's going to pay off. Um, so, yeah, so Sleep Smarter, um, it was really a result of working in my practice and seeing people come into my clinic and they're eating a great diet, but and they're exercising a lot of times too much, but they weren't seeing the physical changes that they wanted. And when I do a deeper analysis, you know, looking in the paperwork, which I always asked about, I would find that there was usually an issue with two things. One was stress and the other was sleep. Mm -hmm. Okay. And... And I tell people this all the time, that you can eat your way into being significantly overweight. You can under-exercise your way into being significantly overweight. Or you can, you can stress your way into being significantly overweight. Either one of those things can basically create a, a vicious circle you know, of very, very challenging things to get out of. And so what I wanted to do was to create something to help people to crack the code on the sleep thing. Because like we talked about earlier, this is when your body changes. And so, but we can be honest with each other. Sleep is not a sexy topic, you know? It's not something like, oh yeah, you know what? Whereas people wanna talk about exercise and, uh, and CrossFit and the new diet and the biggest loser and all these different things, but sleep is so weird. Is well, yeah, it's not a quick fix, right? <laughs> And so what I really drove myself to do was to create, to make sleep sexy. Mm -hmm. you know? And I even call it vitamin S. So helping people to get that vitamin S. And at no point in the book, and probably this is one of the driving forces that has made it so successful, is that I never at one point say you need to get eight hours of sleep or whatever, fill in the blank, blank hours of sleep, because it's not about that. It's how can we optimize your life so that you can get into the deepest most rejuvenative anabolic stage of sleep more frequently, you know, because there's essentially five stages of sleep. How can we get you in the deepest, most beneficial stage of sleep more frequently? And that's what the book is all about, stacking the conditions in your life. There's 21 strategies for doing that so that you can wake up feeling like you're, you're king or queen of the world, you know, because we should not be waking up tired. Like that's an oxymoron. Yeah. You know? So yeah, no, it's it's so so important, and uh, yeah, it, you're, so the I mean, people can find that at sleepsmarterbook.com, which I will also link to in the show notes, and I should have you back on again to talk more about sleep because um, it's one of my favorite activities, and <laughs> <laughs> it's so important. Something I don't sacrifice, if you know me. Um, but yeah, no. So where else? Can, where can people find you? Okay, well, definitely. Like you said, we, uh, we're on iTunes. You can check me out on The Model Health Show. Mm -hmm. uh, just go to the little search box and go for The Model Health Show. Uh, we're usually up there around the top of the charts, which I'm just blown away and honored to say, um, because this thing started very small. Um, you know, I didn't have this. I was offline, you know, just working with people. And then so just getting online a couple years ago, it's really just exploded. And I think it's just because... And the same thing with you, which you notice this is people connect with people who are, who, who are real, like they can tell if you care or not. Mm -hmm. you know? And that's that's how I roll. You know, that's how I create my my work. And our episodes are like master classes. You know, so in my clinic, we've got an 86 percent reversal rate for type two diabetes, um, heart disease. So helping people to get off their high blood pressure medications, lisinopril's and metformins for diabetes, all this stuff. We give people the practical application. First of all, we break down the illness. This is how it got created from start to finish. This is so you, we get rid of the fear. And so then we reverse engineer it and then also give you, here's the strategies. Pretty much every episode we end with, these are specific tips for you to go ahead and do and put nice. into play. So um, you, people can check me out the Model Health Show, iTunes, 
um, Stitcher, all those good places. And also they can go to my website and listen, uh, which is the SeanStevensonModel.com. We got some videos there and some um, cool articles I love to write. So I'm always sharing uh, some pretty cool stuff there. And also with the shows, I do a little bit of extra uh, little content with the shows on my website. So people can check me out there. Kind of fresh to the game on social media. Uh, but like we said, I am on Instagram and it's uh, at Sean Model. So S-H-A-W-N-M-O-D-E-L. And the same is on Twitter and Facebook. Right on. Cool. Well, thank you so much for all of your time and insights today. It was really, really awesome. And uh, yeah, you were you were a great first male guest. So we set the yes. bar high here. <laughs> we'll have to have you back on again in the future. But thank you so much. Thank you so much. It will be a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to be on today and it'll be a pleasure to come back in the future. Thank you so much, Summer. All right. Rock on. If you like what you've heard, please head to iTunes and leave me a review. I would be so grateful if you took two minutes to do that for me. And don't forget to head to summerinandin.com or summerthenutritionist.com to grab your free rule breakers guide to rocking your bod. Until next time, rock on. 